absolutely terrified. I am absolutely, I'm so beyond livid at what is going on and I'm going to turn my fear into anger. I mean, I just broke down in tears and praised God for what he had done. Hello and welcome to the Post-COVID Church. What now? The mission, energizing Christians to engage the lost and hurting in your community. Here's your host, Stuart Kellogg, author of the Post-COVID Church. Welcome and thank you for listening. On this podcast, you'll meet the woman responsible for overturning Roe v. Wade, the landmark decision that made abortion a national legal right. The Supreme Court has essentially reshaped American life. It's going to be legal chaos. Where abortion is legal in about half the states, illegal in half the states. This British news anchor for Channel 4 called it a blow to American freedom, chided the conservative Supreme Court majority, and echoes what a majority of the media in America believes. Even though America was braced for the decision, it was nonetheless momentous. Fifty years' worth of women's rights in America overturned in an instant as the Supreme Court, whose very purpose is to protect civil liberties, took away the constitutional right to abortion. And I am absolutely terrified. I am absolutely, I'm so beyond livid at what is going on and I'm going to turn my fear into anger. There will be no functioning society without women and the women are pissed. This decision. For Terry Herring, the ruling was justice done. She helped make it a reality. I I just broke down in tears and praised God for what he had done, what only he could do. Since 1986, Terry has been the lobbying force for abortion restrictions in Mississippi. The spark to champion the unborn came after her third child was born. Terry's OBGYN, Beverly McMillan, asked if Beverly's husband Roy could take a picture of Terry with baby Warren. The McMillans were leaders in the Mississippi pro-life movement. A side note, Dr. McMillan opened the state's first abortion clinic before her conversion to the pro-life movement. I asked questions about when abortion was legal, and when they told me and gave me some information, the Lord just pierced my heart, and um, I, you know, had kind of a dramatic calling call to ministry for pro-life in my church, and so... Um, it, it just, it kept, it's kept me in the fight. You know, when God calls you, um, and then he keeps calling you back, you, you go. Terry's first lobbying success was in 1986 when Mississippi instituted a parental consent law. Shortly after that, a 24 hour waiting period, the biggest victory until now and blow to that industry, state regulations. Uh, Mississippi at one time had seven abortion clinics. And so we were able, again, not even through terribly restrictive um, legislation, uh, because initially, you know, part of our lobbying was um, uh, abortion clinics are less regulated than the veterinarians. uh, So your dog, you know, gets better care than the women are getting in these clinics. And we were right, because once they stopped treating them as a sacred cow, the abortion clinics could not stay open. They were that bad. Jackson's clinic was the only one in the state before Roe was overturned. Yemi Miller Tonet calls herself a reproductive justice organizer, and she told Atlanta's WXIA-TV she's an abortion doula 
helping women navigate hurdles so they can abort their unborn babies. It's an ironic title, maybe by design. You see, a doula is defined as a woman who helps pregnant women deliver babies. She joyfully sees her job as a service to help the community. Like most pro-choice activists, the issue isn't about a baby. It's about identity and self. And I know you all are just as furious as I am that the Supreme Court is planning to overturn Roe v. Wade. Why am I so passionate? I just, I think I understand as a black queer woman how different identities intersect to prevent you from doing what you need and want to do in life and making decisions about yourself. We should trust everybody to make decisions for themselves and to be the experts in their own lives. And I think the real issue with Roe falling and with this entire you know, debate about abortion is that it comes down to not trusting people to make their own decisions for their own lives and their own family. This divide between a culture of death and a culture of life is driven by competing worldviews. For Terry Herring, former president of Pro-Life Mississippi and past board member of Americans United for Life, it means getting the church to teach and preach more about the culture of life. We have not been able to get the churches to uh, uh, even um, engage so many times on the abortion issue. And our young people need to know because we know they can still go out of state. Um, the abortion pill is a problem uh, where, where chemical abortions you know, can be brought to, to the mailbox. So, so we really want to be sure that we are educating people away from abortion um, and premarital sex, and, you know, and the only way to do that is for the church to address it. Um, these, you know, these topics are hard to talk about, but the church has been running for far too long from uh, topics that need to be addressed. And if it's important, then it has to be said. What will that take? For Dr. Matt Friedman, it took a blunt church member. Matt is a professor of evangelism and discipleship at Wesley Biblical Seminary near Jackson, Mississippi. He also was the token conservative columnist for the Daily Newspaper and then hosted a radio talk show. While he certainly wrote and talked about his strong pro-life views, it wasn't until shortly after planting Dayspring Community Church that he became really involved convicted by a parishioner. You said for a long time that if the pro-life movement would actually stop talking about it and go to the clinic, that if pastors would stop talking about it and actually go to the clinic, we could end this thing overnight. So when do we start our abortion clinic ministry? And I thought, oh, no, because <laughs> I'm just like everybody else. I don't mind talking about it. I don't mind articulating views about it. I don't want to actually go do something about it, and but I was caught. And so we started that 22 years ago, and we've been out there ever since. Matt estimates that during those two decades, when he and his group were ministering at the abortion clinic, 1,000 babies were saved. We went out there and we sang hymns. We would try to kindly and gently and sweetly not yell at the ladies, but just try to say, listen, let's talk and just say, we're willing to take your babies and raise them. If you'll just give them to us, I mean, anything we can do, anything, anything, anything. One of the families had been going out there for the last several years, large family, a large couple of families, actually. But they could legitimately say this child that's with us now, that's our son by adoption, 
was headed into that clinic to be aborted. And so all of a sudden now, you don't have a case. Hey, what do you do? When one of your leading families is out there saying, we have children uh, that are part of our home. The question is, what are you doing? Now, we don't ask that question. It's probably not appropriate to ask that question. But the point is, there's been plenty, plenty, plenty that's being done. Could we do more? You betcha. We need to do more. We need to adopt more. We need to foster care more. We need to find more ways. And I think we're doing it right now. Matt says some pro-lifers saw the incremental approach as a sellout. But Terry made that happen. By the way, she was taking grief all along the way. Uh, from the likes of the guys I was running around with, which was the sidewalk counselors, that thinking, you know, a 15-week bill, does that mean it's okay to kill babies at 16? We don't need to go incrementalism. We need to wipe it all out. Yeah, but you're not going to wipe it all out unless someone like Terry helped us to go incremental. Incrementalism goes against the wall. The Supreme Court says, down goes Roe v. Wade. So, Terry, I just want to say thank you. Uh, for continuing on. Of course, the last bill with a 15-week limit was the one that led to the overturning of Roe and sending the issue back to the states. By the way, Mississippi now only allows abortions if the mother's life is in danger or if a rape has been reported to law enforcement. One of the biggest earlier legislative victories was getting approval for a Choose Life license plate. It raised more than $4 million for dozens of pregnancy resource centers in Mississippi. Those centers across the country will be busier than ever. It's one place more churches need to step in and help. I will say this. If you care about a culture of life, if you care about life from conception to natural death, then you're going to have to know these things are happening in your community and somebody's got to run to the sound of the pain. Jesus is, he wants you to join him running to the sound of the pain. And I, I do want to say this, that the churches have always got that opportunity on a number of different issues, but this is going to continue to be one of them. What now? Terry Herring's work is far from done as the issue is now being fought in the States. Too many in the post-COVID church simply applauded the ruling. Now is the time for work, and it will be harder. I think you have to be a little bit uh, prophetic to be involved in this ministry, which means if you think about what the prophets had to do, um, you know, a lot of the things that God sent them out to do, number one, they didn't want to do. Number two, nobody wanted to hear it. So, you know, I always uh, uh, laugh. I go, yeah, God called me to talk about... um, um, uh, you know, abortion, sex, religion, and politics, all of the things you're not supposed to talk about in the South, right? right. Because no matter what you would do to to try to bring this issue back to um, the root of the church and that this, this, is, this is the issue of our day, we can't talk about the issues of other days um, and mourn those without saying, you know, right now, today, this is the issue of our day where, you know, We've ended slavery, but are we going to end abortion? And praise God, God did this. Um, you know, women who don't have a man in their life, uh, for the the men of the community and the church to rally around and say, um, how can we help you have this child, help them through the adoption process? Um, it's still very hard um, uh, to find babies that are up for adoption. So much of this got going because... A late woman said, I want to go do some legislative work at the Capitol. 
And there's Terry. And she led the way on this legislatively. But that's not the only thing that happened in Mississippi. Someone started a crisis pregnancy center. Some nutcase went out there and said, let's be standing in front of the abortion clinic. One thing we know for sure, God can't steer a parked car. Something's got to be happening. Something's got to be moving. And I think that's it's up to us to find out what that thing is. I actually think, Terry, you can help me out on this. I think that's going to be getting more clear for the church in the next year. Uh, Pro-Life Mississippi, for instance, just had a meeting. I know this. My my son was helping them uh, work through the issues. But what do we do now? And I think those are great questions. There's plenty to do now. How can churches specifically uh, make their lives known best for these ladies in crises, I think, is really yet to be articulated well. But eventually it's going to happen. And every church is going to have that opportunity to say, yeah, this time we're not going to miss the boat. A lot of us said we're pro-life. We didn't get on board. Now we can say we're pro-life and we can get more on board than we've ever been. I think those opportunities are going to become clear particularly next year or so. So we do have a group called Embrace Grace that I can give a shout out to uh, because they are going into the churches. And so churches can have their own Embrace Grace ministry. And it just, you know, defines that we even have a program that women can avail themselves to. And um, it's very friendly. I've seen so many wonderful Bible studies and I, I don't know, it's just the hands and feet of the church. So we really like the idea of Embrace Grace. And and of course, with us um, supporting the pregnancy center in your area, no matter what that pregnancy, where that pregnancy center is. The work Terry, Matt, and the countless others did across the country didn't just restrict abortions, but also help moms and their now alive babies thrive. That um, that he called, that he equipped, that he sent you, me into this this battle. And, and then for Mississippi, which was my heart, it's like, you know, the last shall be first and the first shall be last. You know, we want to, we, I may not have said that right, but anyway, we want, wanted Mississippi. We really wanted Mississippi to be uh, a, a, an, um, an instrumental part of the overturn of Roe v. Wade, and only God could have made that happen. So we give glory to him for what he's done. We know that a lot of women in crises will go to other states and get their, uh, and we know that there's the abortion pill, but we also know that in America, 10,000 babies' lives have been saved in the last three months because of the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Awesome. We're not talking theory here. We're talking about reality. We're talking about really real. Thanks to Terry Herring, the woman credited for getting Roe overturned, and Dr. Matt Friedemann, a professor and pastor not satisfied to simply preach the word, but live it. We're the hands and the feet, and God works all things together for the good. So. The fight to save lives continues. It's a very important topic for this post-COVID church. What now? Get out of the cheering section and into the game. I'm Stuart Kellogg. Thank you for listening. My book, The Post-COVID Church, is available on Amazon.com in paperback and as an e-book. I'd like to know what you thought about this episode or any of the others. Write me at Stuart, S-T-U-A-R-T, at thepostcovidchurch.org. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the Post-COVID Church, What Now?, with your host, Stuart Kellogg. For more information, visit thepostcovidchurch.com. And you're invited to join the Post-COVID Church Facebook group. Please share the Post-COVID Church podcast with your friends.